Good morning, Menlo Church. Uh, so good to be with you this morning. Whether you're, you're watching online or you're in person at one of our four campuses in Saratoga, Mountain View, Menlo Park, or San Mateo, uh, we just want to say we're so glad that you're here. Uh, if we have not got the privilege of meeting yet, my name is Donovan Doan, uh, and it is my great joy to serve as the student director at our San Mateo campus. So shout out to my San Mateo family, my Menlo students family. I love you all so very much. A uh, little background on me. I am originally from Los Angeles, born and raised. Thank you. Uh, but yes, that means that I am a Dodgers fan. Okay, I, and I, here's the thing. I know that, that that's a contentious thing to admit in these parts, uh, but you can say that I'm used to it because for the last decade I have been tethered to an outspoken, unapologetic San Francisco Giants fan who finds my love for the L.A. Dodgers completely obnoxious. Uh, my wife, Christina, she's incredible. She's the rock of our family. Uh, she is from the Bay Area. She's from South City. Uh, and a little over a year ago, we became a family of three. This is our son, Jaden, uh, clearly enjoying his very first Easter egg hunt just a few weeks ago. Um, but we, we love everything about this kid, having a great time with him. So that's a little bit about me. Uh, we've been in this series, though, titled For the Bay, where we've been talking about for the last two weeks how we can love the bay and how we can serve the bay. And today we're going to close the series by talking about sharing with the bay, specifically how we can share the hope of the gospel with the bay. Uh, and so if you have your Bibles, meet me in the book of Matthew, chapter 28. We're going to start in verse 18. It's a familiar passage. It says, Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, um, we don't want to rush out ahead of you. We want to be uh, in step with you, aligned with what your spirit is doing here in the Bay Area. And so, God, it is our prayer this morning um, that you, you would give us ears to hear and hearts to receive what you want to speak to us. Um, we just want to be faithful. So, God, would you be glorified this morning? Amen. Uh, now, right at the very top, I want to address anyone in, who's watching um, who may consider themselves unchurched, dechurched, or uh, otherwise not a follower of Jesus currently. Um, this is probably going to be a weird message for you. I just want to be honest about that. Uh, today's conversation about sharing with the Bay is very much a family conversation for us as a church family. Uh, now, that said, we are very glad that you're here. Uh, because we want you to hear this. Uh, we want to be as transparent as we can possibly be about what our intentions are as a church. Um, and so now a completely valid question that you might have, especially if you would identify yourself as a newer Christian, though I'm sure some of us who've been around the faith for a while may raise a similar question, which is, why should I share the gospel with others? Just plainly, why? If I've already given my life to Jesus and received salvation that he offers Aren't I good? 
right? Like, uh, am I, I'm reconciled with my creator now. Uh, that was the whole point of Jesus coming. I was paying attention on Easter, Donovan. So, so can I just go out and just love people and serve people like we've been talking about? Do I really need to go around making things uncomfortable with my family and my friends and complete strangers trying to get them to believe what I believe? And like I said, that's a valid question, and it's really the question that we are trying to answer this morning, but I'll add to it a little bit. Why should I share the gospel, and how do I do it? Uh, now, before we jump into the, the why and the how, I want to spend a couple moments sharing some of the common reasons why we often don't share the gospel or our faith with other people. You see, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a big believer in self-awareness as a necessary component to personal growth. And so here's some common reasons that you and I might encounter on our journey with this. Uh, number one, fear. I'm afraid of what others will think of me. Simply put, we're afraid that if we share our faith with others, that we'll be judged. Uh, we'll be seen as weird or pushy or worse. Uh, we're, we're fearful that people will make assumptions about who we are based on what they think Christians are like. So that's the first one. Second one, a lack of knowledge. I don't know enough about God or Christianity or the Bible. Many of us feel like we're not qualified to talk about these things with any sort of authority. We are not theologians. Some of us aren't even sure we know how to spell theologians. Uh, but either way, we don't feel knowledgeable enough to have a meaningful conversation about the gospel with someone. Third one, uh, we have a limited view of sharing the gospel. Uh, I simply don't know how. Simply don't know how. Uh, many of us would say that we don't want to go door-to-door handing out tracts or stand on the street corner with a sign or go and spend multiple years overseas. Though there's nothing wrong with those things. If you feel God calling you to that, by all means, go do it. Uh, but it becomes a problem when those are the only things that we can think of when we think of sharing the gospel. So what do we do? So those are three common and very long-standing reasons, but there's a fourth one I want to share, and it's a relatively new one, which is that it's wrong. I feel it's morally wrong to share the gospel, my beliefs, with others. Recent uh, study by a research group called Barna found that one in five baby boomers are older, a quarter of Gen Xers, and catch this, half, nearly half of millennials feel that it is wrong to share one's personal beliefs with someone of a different faith with the hopes that they will one day share the same faith. And for all my Gen Z folks out there watching, I didn't forget you. I know you're like, hey, they left us out. Unfortunately, Gen Z was not included in this study. I will send uh, your grievances in an email. Um, but I'm not a genius. But if we're just looking at the way this is trending, we, we can sort of assume where it's likely going. And so these are some of the common reasons why we don't share. And maybe you can identify with one of them or all of them or some combination of them. I know I certainly do. And there's no shame in that. We, we want to get all of that out. It's good to get it all into the open. But now let me share with you why we need to do it anyway. Uh, our, our text today is commonly known as the Great Commission. 
Um, and just a few weeks ago on Easter Sunday, we celebrated the resurrection of Jesus from the grave. He died paying the penalty for our sins, and then he rose again on the third day, creating a way for you and I and all of humanity to spend eternity in the presence of our creator. That is the gospel, the good news that Jesus saved us. Hallelujah. And in this risen form, he appeared to his disciples and lived among them for a short time before returning to the right hand of the Father. But before he left them, he gave them these marching orders. And it was a quick passage, so no worries if you didn't catch it. Here's the short version. Jesus said, go and make disciples. Go and make disciples. You know, growing up, uh, my mother, a devout, lovely Christian woman, uh, she would often say to me, boy, you better go and dot, 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 uh, fill in the blank. Or she would say, boy, you better go and clean your room. Or, boy, you better go and take out the trash. My favorite. Boy, you better go and stay out of grown folks' business. I heard that one a lot. Um, evidently, I was a very nosy child. But instinctively, even as a child, I understood that when my mother said, boy, you better go and that whatever followed wasn't a suggestion. <laughs> it wasn't a request. It was a command. Go, boy, you better go and clean your room was a command. Boy, you better go and take out the trash was a command. Boy, you better go and stay out of grown folks' business was certainly a command. Uh, and to not do so would have been blatant disobedience to my mother. Uh, whom God had given all authority in our home and on the back of my head, uh, which is not in any way prescriptive for you. The 90s were a different time. Uh, but the expectation was that I would be obedient. Jesus said, go and make disciples. And here's what we could take from that. Discipleship is a command. It's not a suggestion. And it's not a request. It is a command that requires obedience. Well, Donovan, what, what exactly is a disciple if we're talking about? I, I thought you'd never ask. Uh, pastor and theologian Tony Evans uses this definition. He says, a disciple is a learner who seeks to become like the one whom they are following. A disciple is a learner who seeks to become like the one whom they are following. For example, we have a massive discipleship issue at our house. Will our son become like me, a Lakers fan, or will he become like his mother, a Warriors fan? Jury's still out. Uh, but a disciple is a learner who seeks to become like the one whom they are following. Thus, uh, a disciple of Jesus is someone learning from him how to live like him. You see, a lot of folks uh, interpret the Great Commission as, as a mandate to go and make believers to go and get people to believe in Jesus and receive salvation. We often call that conversion or getting saved. And I just want to be clear. The Great Commission is that, but it's not just that. Uh, the reason Jesus didn't say, go and make believers, is because he isn't commanding us to go and nail a sales pitch. His isn't a transactional gospel, it's a transformational one. I'll say that again. His isn't a transactional gospel. It's a transformational one. 
We are on a, on a mission to, to meet a quota. We are on a mission to tell others about the transformational power of the gospel because we have been transformed by the power of the gospel. So why should we share the gospel? Because sharing the gospel is the greatest way that you can love and serve another person, period. It's a culmination of everything that we've been talking about in this series. If your life has been radically changed by the death and resurrection of Jesus, if you've been transformed by the good news, then the greatest way that you can love someone else, or as my brother Phil would say, treat them like you treat yourself, is by sharing the good news with them. Jesus said, go and make disciples because discipleship is an ongoing process of transformation that begins the moment we give our lives to Jesus. It's a lifestyle of, of being in relationship with Jesus, learning who he is, and then becoming more like him. We aren't saved just to be saved. We are saved for everything that comes after. We're saved so that we can be in a relationship with Jesus forever. And this is what Jesus spent his ministry doing. Uh, he, he, was learn, uh, he was forming relationships with people. He was sharing spiritual conversations with people. He was teaching people his way. He was making disciples. Sharing the gospel with someone in the hopes that they will enter into this transformative relationship with Jesus we call discipleship is the greatest way that we can love and serve them. It's why he commanded us to do it, and it's why we should do it. And so, you know, right about now, you're all probably feeling really good. You're like, okay, I get it. I, I know why I should share the gospel. We want other people to experience this life-changing relationship with Jesus that we've experienced. Donovan, I got it. Uh, but how do I do it? What, where do I go? What do I do? What do I say? And I just want to keep this part really practical it's not rocket science. I want you to head into your week thinking, I can do this. This is not that hard. I'm actually excited to share my faith with someone. And so I have three practical tips for how you can all go and share with the Bay. Practical tip number one, share your moments. You don't need to go across an ocean to share the gospel. You simply need to be willing to share an ordinary moment with someone else. Jesus interacted with, with people in common, everyday spaces. One example, in the book of John, chapter 4, Jesus is traveling from Judea to Galilee. Uh, and on the way, he and his disciples stop in Samaria to take a break from their travel. Picking up in verse 5, it says, So he came to a town in Samaria called Sakar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink? Now, I don't want to get into the specific content of this passage. That's another message for another day. But I want us to focus on the context because I think it reveals something really profound about what we're talking about today. Uh, so we see Jesus, tired and exhausted from a long day of travel, step, uh, stopping 
to take a rest by a well. And if you're unfamiliar, wells uh, were a, a place where people would stop and get refreshed. They were a social setting in a sense, um, kind of like a, a coffee shop today. And the passage continues to tell us that a Samaritan woman came to draw water from the well. And then catch this. This is important. Jesus chose to share his moment of rest and alone time with this woman. And it's worth noting, he didn't have to. Uh, In fact, it was culturally expected for him not to for different reasons, but not unlike when you and I are standing in line at Starbucks. But Jesus chose to engage. He chose to share his moment with this woman. He met her where she was in a common space began a conversation with her by simply asking her a question. And here's a profound truth that we can find in that. We don't have to go on a missions trip to share the gospel. We can do it in the everyday places we find ourselves throughout the week. About once a month, uh, I, I go and get my hair cut up at a barbershop in San Mateo. Uh, and the first time that I went there, I was forced into sharing my faith three minutes in because a guy asked me, so what do you do? And, you know, I, I told him I'm a youth pastor. And if I'm being honest, I have apprehensions about this question because a lot of times when I tell people that, they say something like, oh, cool. <laughs> Not this guy. Uh, I told him what I do, and he said, oh, yeah? He's cutting me up. How'd you get into that? And, y'all, I'm sitting in that barber chair like, come on, Jesus. I just want to get my hair cut today. Just being honest. But friends, here's the thing. The voice of Jesus is like a gentle pull. It's like a gentle pull. And I just felt it pulling me in to this conversation. Oftentimes, in moments like these, the temptation that you and I face is to try and mute these moments try to mute this voice, because oftentimes it's calling us into a a situation that may be uncomfortable for us. But I just want to give you the opportunity right now, I want to encourage you to resist the temptation to mute that voice and to surrender to the gentle pull of Jesus. My self-proclaimed non-religious barber now knows the entire story of how I was called into ministry. And every time I go to get my haircut, just like I did this week, he asked me two things. How's my kid? And how are things going here at the church? And I don't know how many times I'm going to have to go to where he works before I talk him into coming to where I work. But y'all, I'm just going to keep showing up. I'm going to keep showing up and talking about sports and the weather and what Jesus is doing in my life and in the life of our church, in the hopes that one day, he does. The goal is to reorient our perspective to see even our most ordinary moments as opportunities to enter into the life of our neighbor and to engage them right where they are. Share your moments. Practical tip number two, share a meal. This is the one that gets everybody excited. Uh, we don't need to go door-to-door sharing tracks. We simply need to be willing to share a meal. 
Often we see Jesus gathering around a dinner table and sharing a meal with people. And I think it's because uh, there's something intrinsically human about sharing a meal. It's disarming. It it settles things. Perhaps that's why uh, hospitality is such a high value in so many cultures around the world and why Jesus uses it as a means of interacting with people. In Luke 19, 1 through 10, Jesus is passing through a city uh, called Jericho where a man named Zacchaeus lived. Zacchaeus was a chief tax collector, so a really wealthy guy, but universally despised. Uh, My regards if you work for the IRS. Uh, And he climbs up a tree to see Jesus passing through town because, as the text points out, he's uh, vertically challenged, uh, is a nice way of putting it. And then the strangest thing happens. Jesus comes to where Zacchaeus is hanging out in the tree, and listen to what he says in verse 5. It says, when when Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I'm going to stay at your house today. And I imagine they went back to Zacchaeus' house and uh, sat around the dinner table, maybe shared an olive or two, and just got to know each other. And it's funny because with Zacchaeus, Jesus could have easily demanded that he get down out of the tree and give people their money back and start acting right and follow him, etc. It could have been combative and confrontational. And unfortunately, we've probably all known Christians who have this approach to sharing the gospel. But Jesus instead opts for a different approach. He tells Zacchaeus to come down because he wants to come over to get to know him and his family to share a meal. And in doing so, Jesus really frames the table as a place to build trust. This is where we hear our neighbor's story and learn about who they are. Share a meal. So share our moments, share a meal, and here's practical tip number three. Share the message. And for many, I just want to be honest, this is the hardest part. Uh, This is the part that produces the fear or anxiety or feels morally questionable. Uh, It's the part that makes all the loving the bay and all the serving the bay feel a little bit funny. Because it feels like, it can often feel like, it was all a setup for us to make a sales pitch. But but I want to just be real with you right now, Menlo Church. As we pursue loving the bay and serving the bay, it isn't merely just to love and serve the bay. We have an agenda. And we have an agenda because Jesus had an agenda. He wanted people to believe in him, to experience the hope and power of the gospel to be transformed in this life and for eternity. There's a lot of groups out there that can love and serve the bay, and there are really great ones that are, uh, but anyone can do that. The unique thing that the church has to offer is this message of hope found in the gospel. We have been changed. We have been transformed by this Jesus, and we want to see the bay, our neighbors, our, our coworkers, our classmates, our teachers. We want to see them experience the very same thing. And so we must do this part. We must choose to share the message, the hope of the gospel, with them. In Acts 1.8, Jesus calls his followers to be witnesses to what they've seen, heard, and experienced. This is what he says. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be, this part's important, 
my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. He instructs them to be my witnesses. To tell the story of his life, death, and resurrection and the transformational power it's had in their lives. And this is the most compelling tool in our sharing the gospel toolbox. If people don't know how the gospel has transformed you personally, then we are giving them an incomplete picture of its hope and power. It's like, it's like this. If, like if you were to uh, tell somebody, like, you know, you had some renovations recently done on your home, and you're telling them how great the contractors, you know, great job they did at remodeling your home, and how incredible your space is, now it's life-changing. Everybody knows what that's like. And, and, you, and you show them a before picture you say, this is what the space looked like before, and then they completely transformed it. It's amazing. And they're just sitting there looking at you like, all right, well, what's it look like now, right? Are you going to show me the after picture? You done got me all worked up and excited. You better show me something. People want to see the transformation. They want to see what changed. You can tell people that you have an amazing contractor, but they'd rather see what the contractor did. Similarly, you could tell people that Jesus saves, or you can tell them how Jesus saved you. They'd rather see the before and after picture of your life. And I don't want to pretend to, to know the psychological reasons why. Like I said, I'm not a genius. Uh, but I imagine that it's because seeing it in your life helps them see the possibility in theirs. We want people in the Bay and beyond to find and follow Jesus. It's the vision of our church. But it's not just because we're a church. More specifically, it's because we know the profound, eternal impact Jesus has made in our lives, and we want to share that with them. Because sharing the gospel, if, if we really believe it to be true, is the greatest way we can love and serve others. And so this week, uh, as we close, I want to invite you to three things. Uh, three, three really simple things. Number one, to pray for the courage and the compassion to share an ordinary moment. Number two, to offer practical and generous hospitality by sharing a meal. And number three, most importantly, to be open and honest with your own story of faith as you share the message. Let's pray. God, we're so grateful um, that you invite us to partner with you in the work that you are already doing here in the Bay. That you invite us to, to continue your ministry of making disciples. And God, like I said, we, we, we want to be faithful uh, to the things that you are doing. We want to be in step with your spirit. And so, God, would you just give us uh, the boldness and the courage and the compassion and the love for our neighbor to go and share with them the greatest story ever told.
that we would be able uh, to just, in our ordinary moments, around our dinner tables, share this message of hope that Jesus came and saved so that he could be in a relationship with us forever. God, may we go this week and before the bay. It's in your name we pray. Amen.